I'm Amy Pruitt. I'm Lisa Dumas. I teach Ayurveda and yoga. I teach yoga. I'm a yoga therapist in training, and I offer transformational coaching. But that's just part of the story. We're moms, daughters, wives, and friends. We're always learning, and we've both experienced healing by what we teach. And the intention of this podcast is to offer you our favorite tools from the traditions and sciences that support us as we navigate the realities and stressors of modern life. Each week, we'll share stories, answer your questions, and talk to others who inspire us. Welcome to the Radiant Warrior Podcast. Yoga and Ayurveda to reclaim a courageous heart. I'm so excited for our listeners to hear the interview that we just finished. It's something really different for our show. Although, don't you think that the topic that we discuss really probably should be talked about in these spaces a little bit more often? Way more often. Way, way more often. So the topic that we are discussing, and who knows, this might feel a little triggering at this time of the year, but we're going to talk about money. I know. What a taboo subject sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. We had this offer to... Um, interview a man named Manny Weintraub, and he specializes in explaining investing in plain English. But the difference between him and other investment um, advisors is that he combines his mindfulness practice with investing. And he has a lot of good things to say that really, for, I mean, Amy and I, we felt really at peace and sort of excited about money after a conversation with him. Yeah, I I could have honestly talked to him all day long. He was I just felt this kindness from him and and the his view on money and investing felt so peaceful where I haven't felt that in a lot of places when it comes to money. Oh, yeah. This is one of the most triggering conversations. I was just having a conversation with a colleague the other day, and we were talking about you know how much power we give money, and it can cause us so many negative emotions. We can move into fear and anxiety, and that can cause us to either really avoid, or you know, for some people, it can cause us to just overspend. Um, I think some of the most powerful money work that I've done was led through the somatic coaching training that you and I met at that was led by Meadow DeVore. And she has a book called Money Love. And she asks a lot of interesting questions that I think are important for everybody to understand about where what their beliefs are when it comes to money. You know, if if you're standing in line to pay for something and you're gripped by this sensation of, oh my gosh, this is too much, you know, you might want to look at that relationship with money because money is just like everything else, something that we are in relationship with. And if we're afraid to talk about it or if we think it's um, not appropriate to talk about, what does that say about our relationship with money? It's just like, you know, my relationship with you or my relationship with my family, it's what are we putting into that relationship? How how are we thinking about that person? You know, one thing I've learned is in relationship, it's so important, the thoughts that you have about that person, maybe even more important than what you're actually doing with that person. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, working with Meadow on money, I also agree completely with this idea of what is your relationship with money and the respect that we give it. How do we take care of it? How do we view it? Do we discard it or ignore it? Or do we actively participate in its care and growth? Mm -hmm. And it's not good or bad, but it is something that we need to take care of. And, and even in the smallest ways, I'm reminded of that as to like how I fold money in my purse or my wallet. Do I just shove it in there and crumple it up? Or do I put the bills in the right order and, you know, put them in chronological order and they're all facing the same way? And do I know how much money is in my purse at any given time? So, and those are just little ways that I'm reminded of how I take care of my relationship with money. Do I ignore all the little automatic um, charges every month for subscription charges or dues or fees? Or do I look at those and actually equate that to how am I spending my money and am I, am I being mindful of where my money is going? Absolutely. And when we're standing there purchasing something, can there also be a thought of gratitude? Like, this is money that I have. This is money that I created. This is money that was paid to me because of something that I'm offering. And how wonderful is it that I'm exchanging now this money for something that either I need or something that I'm offering to somebody else or a bill that I am paying? You know, Can we pay our bills from a place of of gratitude and appreciation for this tool, this gift, and all that we are able to create for ourselves through it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One Another thing I really got today from Manny was that, that idea that it doesn't need to be shameful. And if we don't have a lot of money, that doesn't make us bad people. And really looking at the quality of the lives that we live, as he told a story about his richest client, was mm -hmm. not necessarily the one that had the most dollars, mm -hmm. wasn't necessarily the most wealthy. And if we've made money mistakes in the past, then that's okay. That's just a learning opportunity. So I really appreciated his grace when it came to money, that it's just all about getting clear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that interview is coming up in just moments, but just a, a, a quick catch up between Amy and I. Where am I finding you today, Amy? Body, mind, and heart. Well, body, you are finding me in Columbus, Ohio, and it is very cold. Very, very, very cold. It's hanging around 20 degrees Fahrenheit, which is cold. Mm -hmm. And it's been windy and a little bit icy. It's just the, the qualities of winter that I like the least. <laughs> so I am craving warmth and daylight and the sun. Um, so that's where you find my body. And I'm moving through winter. I feel like I'm coming out the other side with my mind and my heart. Winter really has an effect on me. And with the darkness and the cold, I can get pessimistic or maybe even a little depressed or melancholy and I feel that every year and and I feel like I 
had that again and like looking at the negative side of things or how you know certain things might not have worked out the way I wanted them to instead of being able to see all the goodness and the gratitude so I feel like I'm moving out of that now um which feels good mm -hmm. <laughs> you know to to find my gratitude again and to find my optimism and beginning to look on the bright side of things and I forget every winter how I really am affected by that but here it was again well there's a couple things going on there I mean first of all um, somebody told me this that this week is thought to be the bluest week of the year for many of us Monday was supposed to be blue Monday I'm glad that I didn't know that you know leading into it but and you've also shared on this podcast that when it comes to that Ayurvedic perspective and our constitutions and the three energies that make up all of our constitutions, for you, you have a natural predominance of kapha, K-A-P-H-A, and that's related to the elements of water and earth. And so I know that at this time of year, when there are more of those elements around, that can affect you. Mm -hmm, for sure. And I wanted to mention, um, I guess, shameless plug here, but we have listeners that are local to Vancouver. And coming up in a couple of days on Sunday, I'm offering a workshop called Therapeutic Yoga to Lift a Winter Mood. And actually, you and I are going to record just a mini version of that, that people can find um, on our Facebook page, the Radiant Warrior Podcast on Facebook, that we'll offer because there are, from the paths of Ayurveda and therapeutic yoga, there are things that we can do. First of all, it's accepting that anything that is arising is okay. You know, nature goes through its rhythms and cycles. So do we. And sometimes we make our feelings, uh, our physical sensations and our emotions mean something really bad and wrong um, rather than saying, okay, you know, this is my body's response to what is going on outside. However, if those sensations and emotions are getting in the way of your well-being and uh, taking care of yourself, then it can be helpful to draw from skills and techniques from these paths. And so the workshop and that little online class that you can experience um, in a couple of days is going to offer some of those skills. Mm, I wish I was closer to Vancouver. Well, I'm always wishing that, but you might not wish that when it comes to this week, because while you are in Celsius, you're you're definitely below freezing when it comes to your temperatures right now. So I understand that we are in the rain, and that is why this city is so green and lush and beautiful. But we happen to be in the middle of a couple of weeks of some pretty intense rain so that's what it looks like here um and then as far as mind i agree i also feel like i'm emerging from more of a pessimistic mindset and you know we all love to say that the goal is not to be reactive to what's happening in our outer world but i have some exciting news um mm -hmm. As a therapeutic yoga professional, I work with people one-on-one -on -one and also in sessions. And I've just accepted a new position working with people one-on-one -on -one 
at a beautiful clinic here in Vancouver called Chi Integrated Health. Um, so in addition to working with people online and on the phone, this is a place where I can see people in person. It's a beautiful space. There, <clears throat> there are many other practitioners there, acupuncturists, osteopaths, physical therapists, massage therapists, and everybody is so nice. And we talk about this often, our work as business owners. And for me, a lot of what I do is at home and it feels a little isolating. And especially when there's less hours of daylight and it's raining and it's dark and I'm not going outside as much as I typically do, that can affect me. So it has been very uplifting to be in an office setting with other people. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, it makes a difference. Yeah, it really does. So uh, I also am fi- feeling grateful for that opportunity and the increased vitality and increased purpose that I feel of having this physical place to go. Hmm. I'm so excited to see it. Yes, I will. I will send you pictures and you will come and see it soon. Well, I think it's time to head into this interview that we've been going on and on about. So please, we are so excited to welcome Manny Weintraub. Manny specializes in explaining investing in plain English to people who haven't seriously considered it. He's an avid meditation and yoga enthusiast as well, so he looks beyond Wall Street's conventional wisdom. During his 30-year career as a chartered financial analyst, Manny has looked after hundreds of clients and managed more than $1.5 billion. His unique approach focuses on mindful investing and retirement. He credits yoga with getting him through the 2008 financial crisis. Yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) And wants to teach you how to eliminate the stress of making your money decisions. Manny, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. So you say that you combine this idea of mindfulness and investing um, and meditation with money and investing. So what does meditation have to do with money and investing? Oh my God, so much. Um, the first part of it is, you know, this idea of letting go of perfection, you know, in my mind. I've seen a lot of people do themselves harm by trying to do the exact right thing, and then it's very hard to do that, and they end up doing the exact wrong thing. So they might, like, stay out of the stock market because the president's insane. You know, and he is. There's no question. But maybe, well, sorry, maybe some people would have a question. That might have been a little strong. But um, maybe you could invest less in the stock market. You don't have to make the all or nothing type call. I think also very important is the idea of even in investing is embracing the present. So... I don't know, you know, this summer, there was a lot of talk about the recession next year, like next year, there's going to be a recession. And, you know, a lot of people were wondering, well, how does that impact my investments? You know, what should I do? And, you know, I think all or nothing decisions are usually bad. And this recession that was quote, quote unquote, going to happen next year, that that's the future. Like there is not necessarily 
one day there'll be a recession, but like next year is sort of an arbitrary time. So let's just deal with the situation where which we have now, which is not a recession. Or it could even have to do with accepting the present in that you have a loss. Like after this decade where the stock market's just gone up and bonds have increased in value, it might seem inconceivable, but I've been in plenty of situations over the past 30 years where you know, you have a loss in your portfolio. And in my opinion, you should accept the present and just take the loss, you know, sell. Uh, you can always, and then reassess. There are certain tax reasons why it's beneficial to wait for 31 days. But, you know, rather than get all wrapped up in a story like, oh, it's going to work out. I know the future. You know, you, no one knows. You know, when you buy, someone sells. When you sell, someone buys. Like it's, it's a very weird. Um, besides being a loaded topic, where people hate to have made a mistake, it's a, just a weird business. The Radiant Warrior Podcast will be right back. The Radiant Warrior Podcast is brought to you by our weekly online seasonal program, A Radiant Year. A Radiant Spring is coming up near the end of March. And joining us means every week for 12 weeks, you will receive a video from us featuring practices and skills from therapeutic yoga and Ayurveda. You'll learn movement, breath techniques, meditations, philosophy, inspirations, personal inquiry, recipes, and so much more to help you feel your best in the transition season of spring. Go to aradiantyear.com to find out more. There's a lot of insecurity around knowing how to invest and what to invest in. And so we do trust our advisors and our experts and our professionals like you. And I love that you have this added layer where you're helping your clients be present. There's so much emotion around money because we have so much history and beliefs about money and what what we make that mean. So I can imagine that you're dealing with situations where clients are making, let's say, quote unquote, an unfortunate investment into, you know, a really emotional experience. And so are you specifically offering tips when it comes from the paths of meditation and mindfulness to your clients while you're taking them through this process? I say no, in the sense that I don't like specifically a rule of meditation say, look, I told you rule number four is this, but I can tell the difference between a big mistake and a small mistake, like someone about to give enormous amount of money to their child to help them invest in speculative real estate, you know, in in Florida and, you know, and right before the crash. You know, it's just where you're like, please, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. Let's not confuse money and love, you know, and then mm. sometimes the best thing you can do uh, in this relationship thing is you take care of yourself, you know, and you've given your child a lot and they will be fine. So what are your thoughts about being quote unquote high vibe and attracting abundance based on an abundance mindset? Wow. That's a great question. Um, I think how it would work for me in the sense that after I meditate, I find I'm in a creative space and I will I can write notes to myself like, reach out to this person, do this, do that. You know, I think getting rid of self-limiting concepts like, oh, he doesn't want to see me or she's, you know, wouldn't be interested in doing that, you know, can be really uh, harmful. 
So I don't know about an abundant mindset. I don't know if just repeating things to yourself, like it does it, but like for me, combined with meditation, I found it to be very helpful. Well, and you're talking about reactivity because you mentioned that you might have clients that want to give a lot of their money to their their children, and that's completely understandable, or want to make a big purchase without maybe thinking it through and having the knowledge of consequence like you would have. And we all know that having a meditation practice or a mindfulness practice, it helps us with our reactivity. So what I'm hearing you say is that uh, what could we, what choices would we make from that space of clarity where we're not so um, pulled by our emotions and our fears and we're making choices from that place of present-centered thinking? You know, that would be ideal. That would be in an ideal place to make investment choices from. Yeah, and they're big decisions. So for me, the big thing for younger uh, people, which at this point in my life is probably everybody, uh, is that it's good to start investing. You know, there's a lot of advice, you know, one can see in what I call the fear industry, these people who get on TV and yell, this good thing's going to happen or this terrible thing's going to happen. But the the amount of money one will have for retirement is a function of rate of return times time spent uh, saving. So, you know, as soon as one can, and even if one's working with student loans and, you know, working with some debt, you know, to start putting money aside uh, through 401k or some sort of uh, saving plan is always a good idea. And then it can get as complicated as you want to get from there. But like, if you don't start, you're not going to finish well. So what I hear you're saying is it's never too late. Oh, it's definitely never too late. Uh, They say the best time to plant a tree was 11 years ago. And the second best time to plant a tree is today. So (laughs) it's definitely never too late. And it's, um, and it can make a big difference over time, you know, and it's not, I've heard some people think of the stock market as like playing with money and, you know, it is if you're speculating on like the next big thing. I think that can be a misconception. Like you don't need the next big thing. You can just invest in, you know, areas that are doing well now and, you know, hopefully will in the future. You don't have to have bought you know, Apple on the first day went public to, you know, have made a good investment. This term that you just used, playing with money, um, makes me want to ask you about the way that we think about money. Because for some of us, we like to avoid it. We don't even want to think about it. We don't want to talk about it. We think it's, you know, we think it's actually in bad taste to talk about money. Some of us will say, well, money has too much power. Some of us um, have a lot of stories around people who have a lot of money. But... What I like about having you on this show and about this conversation is, I mean, what are your thoughts about just normalizing talking about money? That's a huge part of our lives. It's a tool. How how would you like people to think about money? You know, I always go to what I call my richest client, who is not the wealthiest client, but she's a woman who worked uh, helping people who needed help with, uh, I think, was AIDS. And um, 
did it for many years, saved some money. In the end, she she couldn't even retire because she liked to help people too much, but works like a day or two a week and bought a place on City Island, which is like a very urban um, part of the Bronx, but it's still got a ton of tablets. It's like a mix of the Sopranos and... Uh, I don't want to say Gilligan's Island, but something nautical, if you could help me out there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and she has a room for her grandson to come over and, you know, her daughter. And I just think, yeah, there's plenty of stories of people who had too much money and then it was sad and their child, you know, had a, had problems. And, you know, but I think talking about it is, is, the, is a hard first step. I think a lot of people... You know, I feel more comfortable talking about sex than they do about money. <laughs> yeah, there can be a lot of shame associated with money, you know, whether it's the stories that we've told ourselves or the bad investments we've made in the past or the mistakes that we've made. Do you find that your clients have shame stories that they have to overcome when they work with you? I move past those so quickly because I just feel like it's the past. You know, everyone makes mistakes. That's how you learn. That's how you grow. I guess they do have the stories, but, like, I concentrate on it so little because, like, I mean, one of my clients wanted to get a T-shirt uh, made up for me saying uh, basically stuff happens and then, you know, we deal with it. And, like, that's that's just how it is. And if we have a crazy president and stuff will happen and we'll deal with it. So, like, don't, can't mm-hmm. look back. So you have something that you share with your clients, an investing mindset. How would you describe that? So the investing mindset is one where you try and step back from the news and really focus on if you could put, it's similar to planting the trees, like if you could find uh, investments where you could just leave them alone you know, for 10 years and come back and they're worth more, you know, that in my mind is a good investment. Like it's very easy not to lose money. You just put your money under the mattress and you won't lose it. But, you know, I don't know. I find the price of stuff keeps going up and, you know, whether it's education or, you know, medical costs and stuff like that. So to get in this mindset of thinking about, 10 years from now and then not worrying about um, the fluctuations that are going to happen. Like you could be totally uh, freaked out about the election coming and what does that mean for the price of insurance companies or healthcare companies or, you know, if taxes are raised again for corporations or, you know, or you could just say to yourself, I believe these certain trends are going to keep continuing that have worked and will we'll keep on working. I guess I would call it a mismatch with your uh, attention and your time horizon. Like if you're looking out 25 years from now, then you don't want to be spending a lot of time focused on the day-to-day. So what would you say to one of your clients who might use shopping to distract from the negative news or from negative emotions that they're having? So I... Look, no one, first of all, I'd say no one's perfect. Don't worry about the past. Okay, like shit happens and you deal with it. But then the next thing I would say is uh, what I have found helpful is, you know, the mind, 
these meditation apps or mindfulness practices, whether it's Calm or Headspace or 10% Happier, you know, they have different courses and some are on uh, mindful eating, for example, but you can also have mindful uh, shopping. And like, I would think that the same um, courses that help me to like not eat as many cookies like an idiot uh, would help someone to like feel uh, just to shop more intentionally. So again and again, you're just bringing it back to the practice of being present and from that place, really touching into um, the right action from that place. Yeah. And, and learning from, you know, experts, like you're not alone, like no one is alone. There are 300 million people in this country alone. So like one in a million things are happening to, you know, 300 people a day. So there's nothing new under the sun. You can get through it. Let's just burn one bridge at a time. You say that you have seven rules for mindful investing, and I know that you've probably mentioned a few of them there, but I want to make sure that you're able to share them with our listeners. Um, can you talk about those? The first rule is that everyone is an investor. And so if you have student loan debt, then you have invested in your education. And if you have money sitting in the bank, then you are investing in uh, cash in a security that you know was, is worth a dollar and will always be worth a dollar. So I just want people to shift their mindset and say, like, you don't have to become an investor because you already are an investor. I'd say the second rule is that I would say the best investment is investing in a mindfulness practice and it so it doesn't have to be perfect, you know, I'd say even five minutes a day, you know, and maybe skip a few days because you're too flipping busy and that's why you need a mindfulness practice. Like a lot of love and forgiveness in your mindfulness practice, I think is really important. Another rule is there was never any good old days, you know, like I grew up in the 70s and we were expecting nuclear bombs to fall on us at any time and you know we were running out of oil and it was inflation was sky high like and now 40 years later might say oh well that was a good time to invest you know well it didn't feel like those were the good old days when we were living in it and you know I'm sure you know the 50s might be romanticized but there were a lot of problems in the 50s. So there were never any good old days. So if you're waiting for the right time to invest, you know, it's now. And then the other one is that nobody's perfect. So don't try and be a perfect investor. You know, just try and be a pretty good investor. And that obviously involves starting investing and not having too radical what we call an asset allocation, like don't put it all in cannabis or all in Bitcoin or all in Tesla, you know, and yes, there'll always be the person who, you know, you see on social media who did put it all in Bitcoin and made a lot of money, but there are plenty, people don't advertise, you know, on social media that they lost a lot of money, you know, it's less appealing thing to, to put on there. The fifth rule is to advocate for yourself. You know, this is a 
weird business where, you know, if you have someone who's working with you, they're working with, you know, hundreds of other people. So they might, you know, and they have keep careful records of every conversation you've ever had, but you might have been more nervous, you know, three years ago than you are now. So maybe you're too conservatively invested or, you know, maybe you are, you know, too aggressively invested and, you know, and things are changing. So I think it's really important to advocate for yourself. And I think you can trust the the good intentions of your advisor or your online brokerage firm or whoever it is you're working with. But you, um, in the end, you're the one who's going to have to deal with the consequences. So it's not... Uh, I would not recommend being polite. I think nice is good, but well, maybe polite is okay. But don't don't just be passive about the whole thing. The sixth rule is, you know, the only constant is change. So just because something worked in the past doesn't mean it's going to work uh, in the future. And I really, you know, I like the idea of thinking what's happened over the past 30 years, like 30 years ago, um, you know, in 1990, we didn't have smartphones, cell phones, or as big as bricks. Internet access, you know, wasn't uh, very prevalent. So if you think about the changes that have happened then, since then, I'd like to think that's a great way to invest. Like, let's look at sort of how things are changing. Maybe we could benefit from it. You know, it's not, it's not all negative. And, you know, 30 years before the 90s in 1960, like, no one had been to the moon. You know, I think we can all agree a lot's changed, you know, since 1960. I think be on the lookout for change and try and benefit from it. And, you know, the other thing I would just say is that compounding is very important, which I would put under mindfulness as if you don't know what you're trying to do, you're not going to be able to do it. So the difference between making 6% a year and 8% a year over 32 years, which seems uh, like a long time, but the, the difference is going to be huge. You, you will have twice as much saved if you've had a higher return. So it's definitely worth taking uh, some risks and you have to know what you're trying to do. And because people don't really like, many people, I should say, don't like to talk about money so much, and there's so many weird stories around it, it that can get lost. And that can even be part of advocating for yourself with whoever you're getting advice from. Like, what are we trying to accomplish anyway? And, and what exactly would that look like? I love that, really getting clear. And obviously, it's helpful to be clear from a place of clarity. So again, this idea of adding mindfulness and meditation to your when you're about to have a big money conversation, maybe with your spouse or with a business partner, it, it sounds like you'd be a lot more successful if you came from that place of calm and clarity. Well, and you know, in terms of having big uh, conversations, you know, that idea of reacting and you know, responding, not reacting, like let's figure out what we're trying to do. You don't have to make every 
decision immediately, but if it, if it definitely feels like something's a little off, like is someone dominating these conversations all the time, you know, that that could be uh, something to think about and, you know, even have a conversation about that. You know, it's a big deal for both business partners and, you know, relationship partners and, and all that. Manny, would you be willing to share with our listeners and with us what a typical day is like for you? Do you bring formal mindfulness practices in and out throughout your day, or is it more informal as you're working with clients? So the only formal mindfulness practice I do is a walking meditation to work and then a meditation before I start my day. Uh, So it's probably more than most people do, but, you know, then once I'm launched in how, you know, I feel a good place, then that that's about all I can do. I have a dream of having, like, a Zen office someday, but, like, <laughs> I think I've turned my uh, Manhattan uh, thing into as, as Zen as it's going to get at this point. Well, what we learn from a therapeutic yoga perspective is that if you, as a financial advisor, have created that and cultivated that calm within yourself, then already when people walk into your office, it's going to be easier for them to think clearly because um, that's already in you. And we actually know that anxiety and stress, it can be catching. If you're talking to somebody who's also feeling uncomfortable and scattered and stressed and hasn't done those practices, we can we can we can catch that, you know, it, your conversation is colored by that. So I think it's really beautiful that you're so intentional at the start of your day and you're creating that calm in yourself. I bet that in itself is helpful to your clients. I think so, you know, and I don't I wouldn't feel comfortable, you know, forcing my beliefs on them like, OK, let's you know start this with a, a minute of silence or, or something like that. But, you know, it, it maybe it'd be a good idea. We could just sort of start each meeting, you know, with some intentions and, and what we want to get out of it. So for the always trying to improve. Well, what I really got out of this conversation is there's so much noise around money. But if you can just whittle it down to what is my goal? So if somebody had a goal and they brought that goal to you, is that ideal? Do you like to start that way with your clients? I do, because it then makes it easier to, you know, go through any ups and downs. And then, of course, stuff is going to happen and you're going to have to deal with it. So like 20 years ago, a U.S. Treasury bond with a 20-year maturity I'm, I'm, it yielded 7%. Like, okay, you can get risk-free 7%. And so everyone would put that into their spreadsheets when they're planning out the future. And now that same bond yields 1.9% or something. So that, that's a big difference. So it's an iterative process. But I think it's great to start with a goal because it helps uh, center people in terms of um, – their own behaviors, you know, in in terms of uh, saving or investing, and then it helps center them for the the journey, which sometimes can be volatile because that's um, that's the nature of the game. Well, Manny, thank you so much for speaking with us. What I got out of this was to bring that love and compassion and forgiveness into our previous maybe money mistakes 
and that yes. it doesn't have to yeah and it doesn't have to be bad it's just money yeah and we called it uh rebbe gelt at my first company the money you pay the rabbi to learn you know that's just tuition <laughs> oh, i love that i love that if people want to work with you how can they find you uh, I can be found at spearsabacus.com. I recently had my firm join their, my old firm join their firm. So it's Manny Weintraub and at Spears Abacus. And we'll include that information in our show notes, Manny. Thanks so much for sharing your interesting viewpoint with us. I feel a lot less worried about money just after this conversation. So good. So happy. I do too. Oh, good. Well, my pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Warrior Podcast. If you found it valuable, please leave us a positive review to help others find it. And please check out the Radiant Warrior Podcast on Instagram and Facebook to leave us your questions and find out where you can come and practice with us next.